0: Welcome to the course in the chaos podcast. I am Jack and I am as always joined by Blake and Grayson. and uh, this is, I believe episode eight and in this episode we've we've set it aside that we're going to spend some time and talk about the relationship as we continue this theme on the church. The, this episode the relationship of the church um, and church discipline. like what does that look like? what is how does the church do church discipline? what is what is it about? What is it for? Uh, when is it to be done? How is it done? Things like this, and um, you know, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a of an introduction here as we kind of get into it. Ch- church discipline, when I first became a Christian, it was something that seemed maybe erroneous or, or irrelevant. And uh, I think as I've as I've grown in the faith and become you know been been in the church over the past twenty years, it's become one of the more precious. Is is that a weird word to say?
1: Like. I don't think maybe so. Not. After I my mean, church,
0: precious thing, like it's a very special, right. important thing, in so many ways, and, and the the maybe significant is a better word. The significance of it has really expounded in my mind over the years. Grayson, why are you laughing?
1: I'm just smiling. I'm just so happy <laughs> it's a, it's to be talking thing. about
2: church discipline.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jack's like when you get to third stage, it's really sweet.
2: I tell There's you tears. I mean everybody's I you, happy. When
1: the shunning comes on, what a great feeling. <laughs> everybody's clapping.
2: Yeah. Away with oh, you, gosh. away with you, and they beat them with their shoes.
0: <laughs> anyway. Uh so <laughs> how do I recover from that? Um all right. Well, this is how we recover. So I got a question for you guys. So I did a little bit of, of, uh, Blake, stop smiling. No, I forgot. Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm actually irritated with myself because you sent that <clears throat> article and then I didn't read it. So No, no, no. I didn't.
0: I didn't want oh, okay. you to read it. I didn't oh, want you okay. to read this. So I did a little bit of research and I found some statistics and, you know, I, I don't know how legitimate they are, but I, the trend or like the theme of the statistic, I think when, when, it, when we reveal it, I think it's probably pretty true. So Grayson and Blake what percentage of Protestant churches in America do you think practiced church discipline last
1: year? Gosh, I mean, if I want to be optimistic and this is this is showing you just how pessimistic I am, I'd say maybe maybe a third, thirty percent is
2: this so is this okay. like counting like through like third stage like taking it all the way to the end or is this
0: Well, the way I phrased it is exactly, it was done through a survey, put out by LifeWay Research, and the way I I phrased it to you is the way it was rephrased to the people. I'm going to
2: assume that most people are assuming then that it's talking about taking it clear through the last phase, which I would say is probably, hmm, if I undershoot it, it's going to ruin the drama of the moment. I'm going to say like
0: 5%. 11. 11 is what it came up with. And the way that they... So you're pretty close. So the way it broke it down was 55% because I'm kind of stating the inverse of that number. So 55% said that they had not done it in a year. Mm -hmm. Right? 55% of churches had done nothing. And then there were... Um, and then, you know, trickling on down through so many months, yeah. three years, yeah. two years or whatever, but the, but the net, the net result was roughly 11% of people said they did some form of churches or, uh, executed church discipline on a member mm. within one year. Okay. So and what I, what I thought was, yeah. And that, that number, it, it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. Um, but what I felt, what I also found interesting, I found some other statistics as I went through and this was, uh, maybe I can find where this number was at. I'll try and reference it later, but uh, it was referencing a book. And the book said that in the in the century previous to this, so the 1800s, 2% uh, churches. I'm sorry. I phrased that wrong. Uh, All Protestant churches excommunicated roughly 2% of their members. Mm.
2: When, what what age was this
0: in the the 1800s Mm. roughly. So, you know, century Mm -hmm. or two ago. So, so just the, the act of church discipline was happening so much that the net, net result would be 2% of the congregation would end up being excommunicated right. at any wow. given
1: time on a, on a year. I thought that was pretty staggering. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a large difference between yeah. the two. Um, this is one of the things I think I kind of have a bone to pick with statistics, right? Mm. Depending on how people phrase it mm-hmm. and everything like that. So when you say church, church discipline, my mind immediately goes to First, second, third, and then final, right? Right. Um, but if people are looking at it as Blake did, where it's just purely final excommunication-style discipline, then I mean that that number makes right. Because I would sense. say even.
0: But I
2: uh, like well, I'm working on not interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Grayson. No, Grayson. <laughs> back to you. you. <laughs> back to you, Grayson. No, you.
0: You. You. But, but you know, if, if I just. And this is me just like speaking kind of perceptively, like just what have I observed over the past 20 some odd years of being a Christian and having been under church discipline
2: I, five I've... times myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, that is not true. By the way, <laughs> that is um. slander. That is... <laughs> um, I don't, I don't feel like it happens a lot. Like in most churches, I think in reformed churches, it happens more. Uh, and we'll get into some of the reasons I think that is, but just take your average and this goes back to church membership. I think a lot too. In the first episode, we talked about the importance of church membership and just the neglect of people being committed to churches. When people aren't committed to churches, like going along with that trend is there's no church discipline. Like the other side of that isn't, isn't carried out. So when you've got, when you've got mega churches like take an Osteen Church, and I don't even what is it fifty thousand people? I, I have no idea what the number is. You get, is that their whatever thousand or, number that is, or is that like attendance? <laughs> I made it up. Oh. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> like, me if whoa. it was fifty thousand. <laughs> so, so, I may look it up here in a minute. It's probably something yeah. like that. Whatever the number is, it's several. It's multiple thousand. Or as Joel right.
1: calls them, fifty thousand giving units. Oof.
0: Oof. I don't think he does that. Fifty thousand. I don't know. Purchases. I just. I made that at up least as not, well. publicly. not publicly. Not not publicly. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but how often do you think Lakewood church carries out church discipline? I don't never, but
2: no, but here's the thing though. (laughs) So I would say I probably have the same bone to pick with the, even the question as Grayson does, because I would look at the process of church discipline just being in different phases, but any time that you have, you know, a brother going to a brother, and confronting a sin and they repent, then church discipline right. has taken place. It just hasn't been trotted out in front of everybody yep. because it wasn't necessary to do that. And so if I think if we look at it that way, if we look at it that way, then church discipline is happening way more than the statistic says. The issue is, is that upon each step, which we'll talk about, And the denial that comes or the non-repentance or unrepentance that comes with each step, it gets more and more uncomfortable to go to the next step. And I would say where it probably crumbles the most is in the third step or the final step where you actually, you know, are having to bring this before the church and you're having to do all of these different things. Uh, Right. I think... A lot of times, that's the time that people just boogie out. You know, they're just like, "Well, we're just gonna, yeah. we're just gonna, yeah. we're just gonna leave the church." And uh, well, I, yeah, I feel like we're jumping. I feel like we're jumping ahead of ourselves. But I do, but I do think, I do think though, that once the process is started, if somebody just bails, um, it is the church's responsibility to continue the process to the end and not just right. say, "Oh, well, they're gone now." So. Phew! We dodged that one. That's not going to interrupt uh, uh, interpretive dance Sunday,
0: <laughs> right? It, and yeah, I, those statistics, right? It, I mean, whatever. Like, I think I, and I'll add this. I think, remember correctly.
1: I think they interviewed a thousand pastors or something like that. Oh, this so was an interview for it,
2: pastors. A, yeah, oh, it
1: was two okay. pastors. Oh, so they. Then theologically, they should know those categories. I mean, I'm, to a point. I'm yeah. Well, I think so. A thousand I'm to pastors. Them a lot less slack. So a thousand yeah. pastors. So, so a,
0: a thousand pastors. Eleven oh, percent of yeah. them said that they did some form okay, of church that discipline changed, on a Okay, that that changes
1: the it then. It does. Yeah. If it were you know your average congregant, I I wouldn't expect them necessarily to know right. definitionally how that process all fleshes out. They might be able right. to tell you. But we haven't
2: thrown rocks at a, anybody this year
1: yeah gosh (laughs) that was last year old
2: theonomic last year we did but not this year
0: everybody's been well behaved (laughs) is that an advertisement for your church (laughs) like there's a reason we we keep a gravel parking
2: lot yeah (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) i'm sorry for anyone from our church that's listening to this (laughs)
0: Someone is burying their heads in their hands right now. That's our pastor
2: right there. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) No, it is a, it is a, it is a serious and it is a weighty subject. I mean, we're, we're giggling about it now, but you know, when you get into it, it's, it is the, the confronting of unrepentant sin has, has the potential for fantastic, unimaginable joy when repentance takes place. Yeah.
0: Or unfathomable heartbreak. So, right. Yep. Yeah, it is very serious. So, um, but, you know, we we haven't got into it too much yet. So I think it's all right. Um, One other thing I wanted to point out just by way of introduction. So I, I got that little statistic there, which we tossed around a little bit. And I found a, it was a, there was a webpage on Nine Marks that actually gave, which I'm not the biggest fan of them, but they've got some decent stuff out there. But this particular website, I think I shared it with both you guys. Outlined at a very high. Have you seen that? the
2: nine marks meme? That's just nine different pictures of Mark Dever.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mark Dever didn't write this article, I don't think. So, <laughs> um, anyway, but it, it outlined at a very high level. I mean, it's a short article. the The practice of church discipline over ages, right? And I found it kind of a fascinating in a macro sense because it, in some ways, it it brings some explanation into. Why are those numbers so low, right? And essentially, what he pointed out that is in the patristic patristic area uh, era, I should say. Um, he quoted some some church fathers and whatnot. It was basically determined that that church discipline was very regular and very public. Like that's a key thing. Like the the process of church discipline was brought in front of the congregation regularly. And as you moved into the medieval area, and you've got the 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 rise of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, it became less prominent. There began to be a shift away from the public dealing with sin to a private dealing with sin. And that's where you got the development of private confession and indulgences and things like that, which I found kind of interesting that at least this author, uh, the guy who wrote this article was drawing connections to a stepping away from public church discipline as by, by not doing that, that's how we got things like indulgences and mm. things of like this, which I mm. found kind of interesting. Mm. Um and then he gets into the Reformation, and of course we know how that turned out. Luther pushed back against all that, and you saw a a flee back to the Bible biblical method, which we'll talk about in this podcast. The the how the Bible prescribes church discipline to be done. So and then you you get to today, and as again we talked about our first couple episodes, our our culture as we've moved out of the Reformation and in our uh, kind of postmodern or whatever, whatever we're in now, um, is very individualistic, uh, you know, very, very subjective. There's no objective truth. There's no uh, objective standard, like no moral standard, no moral core. Mm-hmm. The church is not at the center of that where it once was before, at least in a cultural perspective. So because of that, there's any, any type of church discipline is often very private. Uh, it doesn't often happen public. It's very, again, segmented from the rest of the congregation. I think maybe that's why I'm speculating here, but maybe that's part of the reason we've had so many things over the past few years that have popped up uh, as, like, cover-ups in churches and things of that sort. Like, because the, the the trend over the past hundred years has been to keep issues of church discipline and matters like that contained within the church walls to a point. Hmm.
2: It's
0: a theory. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to promote that. It's just kind of me thinking out loud. So, based on what this guy said. But... Anyway, uh, you don't have to comment on that. It's just kind of a random thought. But anyway, that brings us to church discipline. May we comment on it, Jack? No, you (laughs) cannot. I don't want gravel thrown at me.
2: I see the lights just in Grayson's (laughs) eyes right now. No, not at all. All right. I I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) All right, moving on. (laughs) I saw the move forward in anticipation, the...
1: No, I'm I'm making them. sure I'm close to the mic because I I tend to back off of it and then I get quiet. Gotcha. So my I'm, I, well you know Blake's now putting his lips on it, <laughs> on my mic, <laughs> not Grayson's mic. Yes. Yeah, we're in <laughs> two different states. That would be very hard. This is a weird <laughs> podcast so far.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, let's 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 shift gears. Let's get into the because we're I wanted to, I wanted this to be like a two minute introduction and now we're like fifteen minutes in. So it's your podcast.
2: You can do whatever Um, you
0: want, Jack. It's our podcast. No, we're not individualistic. Jack makes us do
2: everything he wants to do. I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right, moving on. All right. uh, Blake, why don't you, you put together a really good outline here. Um, so, so why don't why don't you kick it off? Because I think you you did the bulk of the thinking on this I, one, and you've got a really good outline, a lot of good references. Yeah. I
2: think one of the big things that we have to understand about church discipline is just how misunderstood uh, it is. Uh, because I th- there's there's such a um, again with so many cultural things. Uh, swirling all around us, uh, with churches not always handling church discipline correctly, or even doing church discipline, or teaching on church discipline, or any of these things. Uh, just hearing church discipline, I, I think for most people, there's probably going to be some misconceptions, unless you are in uh, in a you know good you know Bible teaching, Bible believing church. Uh, the point of church discipline is not to walk around with a hammer looking for someone that's sinning so that you can crack them in the skull and then throw them out of the church, okay? Uh, That is not the point. Uh, The point of church discipline, and we'll kind of unfold this more, is ultimately it shows love to the individual because the individual that is uh, being confronted with their sin They are sinning. And so if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, if you're a brother or sister, uh, like we are, uh, you know, brothers in Christ, you understand that sin is so horrific uh, that God comes and dies and takes the punishment on himself uh, so that we might be forgiven. And so sin is no light thing. So when we confront sin, uh, we are showing love for the individual, it is not loving to allow someone to continue in their sin, which we're going to see exemplified in First Corinthians 5, uh, when Paul really kind of lays out some things there. Uh, furthermore, by disciplining someone who is in sin, uh, we're showing love for them, but we're also showing love for the church. Um, we're showing love to our brothers and sisters uh, in a couple of ways, uh, not only uh, are we protecting them in some instances? Uh, if there is uh, someone in an unrepentant sin and the sin is seeping out into the congregation in whatever form it may be in, uh, there is a protecting issue that the elders uh, have a responsibility for. Uh, and furthermore, it's, it's, uh, it's exemplary. It shows uh, other believers the dangers of of sin it also shows uh you know the the world around us it it helps us maintain our distinctness uh that we are not like the world uh and it's not everything goes it's not every man uh does what is right in his own eyes uh, but it's a people that are saved by christ that are being conformed then uh to his image and so what we should see is like we see in the you know historically uh, with the patristic fathers uh, and things like that, where there is a public um, in as much as is reasonable. I think this probably came out in different ways back mm-hmm. then, uh, but that there is a public understanding of these things, like sin these sinful lifestyles. Habitual lifestyles, unrepentant sin will not be tolerated in the body because we love each other and we love Christ. Uh, and then ultimately, that is the purpose of church discipline uh, the 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 um, the macro purpose, I guess you could say, is love for Christ. Uh, first off, Christ says, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." Um, one of the ways that we show love for Christ is not only um, <clears throat> mortifying the flesh, uh, but keeping each other accountable, being obedient uh, when it comes to these issues of of church discipline. When we show that we hate sin, our own sin, uh, and that we hate uh, what sin does to others, uh, what it does is it glorifies what it, it glorifies Christ. Uh, when we practice church Amen. discipline. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So discipline's a good thing. You ever seen the undisciplined kid in Walmart, Jack? Every every time (laughs) I'm in Walmart. That's
1: why I don't go to Walmart anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, it it is a proper analogy to give, right? I mean, when you see an unruly kid in a store, everybody's looking at that kid, and somebody is just hoping that someone will come up and deal with him. And if you have that unchecked within the church where somebody's in unrepentant sin, I mean the expectation should be that something's being done about it, right? I yeah. mean, when we look at it, it's an intrinsically a good thing because it it should, for one, sober the person back up, hopefully that they repent, mm-hmm. uh, but for two, as you said, Blake, it, it sobers the rest of the church up, right? I think of Ananias and Sapphira, right, in Acts, yeah. where they... <clears throat> it's one of my favorite stories just because how, how brutal it is, but... Um, they It's so they sweet lie. and tender. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, my pastor, when he preached that, he, his running joke was when they dropped dead, he turned to the young men, he goes, okay, young men, so here's your job. You know, Peter commands them to pick up the bodies and bring them outside yeah, and bury them. Right. right but they, they lie to the Spirit, and they drop dead. I mean, they're accused by Peter right then and there, and all of a sudden, yeah. their lives are demanded of them. And it shows the seriousness of sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. Yeah. but it struck fear in the heart of all the people that were there to witness it so that they would be purified and walk in holiness, right. but also um, to be prepared for the persecution that was just about to hit them. Right, right.
2: But when there's so many... But we operate in... But we operate in less... Uh, in most cases, we operate in, in less extreme forms of that. So... Part of me wants to say that the church at that time can look at Ananias and fire and say, "Okay, this is a this is a serious deal." Like I, I doubt that there was anybody that was like, "Well, guys, should we really be doing this?" Because that wasn't even on because that wasn't even on the table, right? No. Um, right. Now, if you're you know, if you have someone who is constantly stirring up strife, which we see in Titus three, uh, you know, gossiping, doing all these different things, uh, inevitably as the process goes along, you'll have people say, "Well, isn't this isn't this extreme? Like, isn't this going beyond? Uh, you know, shouldn't we just forgive and forget? Or don't we all mess up? You know, you hear things like that, but that's flowing from this mindset that says discipline." is not necessary or or the discipline is not valued. And one of the things we're trying to get across in this podcast is that, again, that discipline is a good thing.
0: Yep. Very good. Yeah. You know, let me, let me go back and touch on something. I, I jotted down and kind of, as we were moving through the introduction, I didn't, I didn't speak to it, but this may be a good point because uh, or a good time to make the point, because if we think about the, where does this empowerment come from? I think it really speaks to the significance of what's happening, right? So I've got a couple verses here that I'll read through. Um, first one comes out of Matthew 16, 19. And this is a, the, the verse, a pretty well-known verse, but um, I'll read back, start at 15. And he said to him, being Jesus, to, to Simon Peter, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, Jesus answered him, blessed you are. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now right here is the, 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 the key verse that I wanted to speak to. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So that hold that thought. And then if I jump ahead to Matthew 18, just a chapter, a couple chapters ahead starting in verse 15, and this is one of the core texts on church discipline. Um, and This is Jesus speaking. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let it be... Uh, I'm sorry let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector and then here this this will sound familiar truly I say to you whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven and what do you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven mm-hmm. the point being here uh, you know Catholics take this take this verse or this this text of Matthew 16 and base the entire papal succession off of it right they look at this and say the well Jesus is pointing out Peter he's building the church on him therefore, Peter is the pope, and so on and so forth. But if you understand what's really being said here, he's talking about do- doors opening and closing. What is the power of the gospel and the salvation? It's the opening of doors. Jesus told, "I stand at the door and knock." Like it is this. It is this welcoming, this opening to the door to let Jesus in. It is the and, and what what I think what I think he's saying here. This and a lot of this is out of the confession of faith is that the keys and we talked about the keys and the sword and the church and the state. The church has the keys to the gospel. Mm -hmm. the gospel is the door to heaven. And within that, there's this, you have this idea of like this doorkeeper, right? And the, it is the ordinary means by which, uh, by which the church maintains her purity um, and, and extends um, offers to repentance and can also close the door on the unrepentant. Right. So built within this, within this, within this um, command or the statement that Jesus gives to Peter built within this loosening, right. Is this whole idea that the church has the authority to carry out church discipline. That's the authority. And that's a serious thing, Mm -hmm. right. The ability to open, open and close doors, Mm -hmm. right. The, the giving or the taking away of the gospel. And there's some other texts that I could reference if, if, uh, if we need to, but, but that's profound.
1: And that is heavy. That is heavy, heavy, heavy. So I don't have the Greek in front of me right now, but um, in Matthew 18, when he talks about binding and loosing, the way that it's broken out in the Greek by the tense and the mood is all talking about the reality of what's already taken place in heaven. And so, I mean, that's something we can touch on later. But touching back to that aspect of authority, um, what the church stands in the gap to do then is just simply verify a rendering or a rendered judgment that's already taken place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So when you get to that final stage of discipline, all the church is doing is looking at it and standing as God's representative to say, here's a verdict that God Himself has already decided and that's that's why it becomes so weighty. You know, many people want to look at it and you know, they, they see the church discipline a member all the way out of the congregation and what is the thing you might hear, but how dare you, you know, how dare you say I'm not a Christian right. or I can't be saved. Right. Um but that's just not how the scripture teaches this,
0: Right. Right. Yeah. For, for clarity, just because maybe I wasn't clear, let, let me read what the Westminster Confession says here, because, you know, they're they're going to say it a lot better than me fumbling through it. Um, but this is out of chapter 30 in section two. It says to the, to these officers, the keys of the kingdom of heaven are committed by virtue. Whereof they have, they have power respectively to retain and remit sins to shut that kingdom against the impenitent, both by the word and censures, and to open it unto the repentant by the ministry of the gospel and by the absolution from censures on a ca- as occasion shall require. Mm. That was a lot better. I should have just read that. Now, the but, London
2: Baptist Confession but, says, I bid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no, the one that they just copy and pasta. pasted what this said. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what we're getting to... Um, sorry, go ahead, Jack. I didn't mean to cut you No, off.
0: No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, the, the all that to say, it is a weighty and serious thing. That's all that I was going yeah. to point
1: out. Yeah, I was just going to pick up on the next point that Blake here had in the outline, and that what we're trying to show is, ultimately, um, God is the one who disciplines, right? This is why the Church carries us out. Um, you know, you, I think you had it down in Hebrews 12, 6. But I also had Psalm 39, um, verses 10 through 11. <clears throat> so the context here, David is is incredibly sick because of his own sin. And what he says to God in his prayer is, remove your plague from me because of the opposition of your hand, I am perishing. Literally, I'm, I'm dying. With reproofs, you chasten a man for iniquity. You consume him as a moth, what is precious to him. Surely every man is a mere vapor. Uh the reality of what he's speaking to is much the same as what's kind of put in Hebrews 12:6 which is just the reality that uh, here you have a man who is what scripture says is a man after God's own heart, right? David loves the Lord, the Lord very much so loves David. And yet he's not um removed from this disciplinary process, right? He, Hebrews 12:6 just simply says For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, that word scourge, that's the same word that's used uh, to speak of Christ when the whips lashed at his skin and literally ripped it from him. So it's not a pleasant thing. It's a very violent process. Mm -hmm. Um, So then you go right back to the psalm I just referenced, and here's a man that is on his deathbed crying out to the Lord for forgiveness and for healing and for everything else, but ultimately recognizing that all of it is coming from the hand of God right
2: and with purpose you know because Hebrews 12:10 yep. the second part of that verse but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness so there's a there is a uh, an intention behind the discipline there's a goal uh, that is trying to be reached uh, and that is the same case then with church discipline, uh, holiness is not holiness, the issue of the hour. Apparently not. Okay.
1: <laughs> Can you repeat what you actually just said? Was that a question? I, it came out. I thought it was uh, a statement. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it.
0: <laughs> no, I want to know. What did you, what did you say?
2: No, I was, no, I was just saying, I mean, it's holiness is the, is the point. Holiness is the point of discipline. Yes. Oh, yeah, and then of the yeah. church. Yeah, amen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Crickets come in the background. We're like, huh?
0: Yeah. Sorry. I I I don't know. I guess I th- I thought you were continuing with your thought. So it's probably my fault, John.
1: No, I, you're you're good, brother. Um, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, holiness is the end goal. That's that's literally the whole point of church discipline, right? So, you know, you think of the the main text that we will go to. I mean. Um, Jack already read it off, so I'm not going to read it back. But Matthew 18: 15 through 20—that's really the the core passage that we use for church discipline. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here. Would you I say while you're here.
2: while you're looking for that? Would I mean? Would you say this is something I'm just thinking off the top of my head? Uh, that there needs to be a distinction between, and I think maybe this is where some people get it confused, is that there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Uh, that. I wouldn't necessarily see like church, you know, church just like this process in Matthew eighteen as a punishment for someone's harm, but it is discipline for their good,
0: I guess you could say. Maybe that's dicing it up too much. I don't know. What do you mean by punishment? I guess like what? Give me an example. I mean, I don't know. I guess I would
2: say like if you're, um, I don't know. Maybe the illustration breaks down if you commit a crime. Uh, and you're arrested, you're you're punished for your crime. Uh, like you're you know you're doing time for whatever you know the thing was. you you know, you murder somebody, you get life in prison or whatever. But that's not necessarily focused on reform and repentance. it's it's focused in holiness. It's focused on um, actually punishing the crime that took place. Does that make sense? Maybe not. Again, that's what I get for. That's what I get for just yeah. speaking out well, loud. I, I think.
0: I no no. Well, <laughs> listen to me bumble through the first thirty minutes speaking out loud. I, I think I would think of punishment almost in to be a likeness to consequences, and to me, to me, those would be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they could be the same, right? Like a consequence of unrepentant sin is church discipline, but yeah. yeah. but there's there's natural consequences to certain sins. Um, but again, that. Again, In some ways, using your example, um, that we're we're thinking about church and state Mm -hmm. again, to a point, right? But repentance ends
2: church discipline, right? Like with true repentance, the process comes to a conclusion, at least it should. Whereas punishment, that repentance doesn't necessarily mean that the... Uh, the repentance doesn't necessarily mean that the punishment is over. You know what I mean?
0: But, but sure. even so even you're... if someone, re- but hang on, even if someone repents. Sorry, Grayson. No, you're good. E- even if even if someone repents and fully fully repents. I mean, they yeah. the, they've and it's wonderful that whole thing happens. There can still be consequences. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And no. and for, thi- for sure. like for the actions that they partook. Right. Right? right. Like
1: yeah, I think that's the point Blake was trying to make. Yeah. Um. The reality is, I mean. The analogy I always give, it's like if I have a firecracker in my hand and I close my fingers around it and I blow off my fingers, guess what? I'm not getting my fingers back. Um, In much the same way, if you commit some heinous sin and you reap the consequences either by the civil magistrate or just simply even a fact of losing trust, um, I mean, those are just simple consequences or judicial punishments that will rest upon you until either the sentence is cleared or... Even for some people, until they go to glory, I mean, sometimes consequences are just long-standing and never go away. But that person could still be repentant. I mean, I yeah, I know of different stories of men who have who have literally gone to jail over their sin, um, and that's that's when they finally it really woke them up and they came. I think to genuine faith, but um, for them, they repented, but their repentance was an acceptance of those consequences where they said, you know, I know that what I did was wrong, and I need to serve the time for what I did. Um, And they they bore under it. And, you know, that's what Peter talks about when he talks about bearing under. um, You know, when you suffer as a result of your own sin, it's not true biblical suffering, as you would put it, right? So you bear under the discipline of the Lord for the fruit that it produces, which is that repentance and his holiness and... Some of that looks like reaping the consequences to just foolish decisions and sinful choices, obviously. All right, so Matthew eighteen, um, all that. Late? Did yeah. you want to speak to this at all? Oh no, or I was just no. To...
2: All of my bumbling was just so you could find your reference. So fair enough. Yeah. Well, was, my internet went out for a moment. It was so a diversion. I
1: found it, but he was a diversion, a clever ruse. <laughs> okay. All right, so I will read it just as for the sake of reading it again. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother, right? That's first step stage one. Church discipline. Yep, step one. Step one. So and this is not, you're gonna be a sin sniffer and go around and just figure out every little thing people are doing. Uh, this is unrepentant, habitual sin, right? This is something that's very visible and clearly seen and is sin. Um, the next stage, stage two, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Right? So this, this is just elevating things. The, the, let's say the person had repented the first stage. Church discipline's done, right? You no longer are carrying through this process. The person literally has embraced their role and is trying to seek after holiness. And so it's done. Mm-hmm. But if they double down... The next stage, literally, as it says, is you take one or two people, so that way they can be in the midst of that process and verify what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and that's a two-pronged verification. Yep, yeah, that's what I was yep. just about to say. Yep. There's protection both ways, so go ahead and make your point. Here. No, go ahead, Grayson, you're on it. Okay, uh, there's protection both ways there, right? So if you have somebody who is genuinely in sin, then those witnesses can come forth As verifiable biblical witnesses and say, yes, this is indeed sin, you do need to repent. However, let's say they come along and they examine the case, and they look at it and say, you know, you may not like this, um, (laughs) but there's nothing biblically wrong about what he did, so it's not sin. Right. Um, Right then and there, the person who's been charged is now innocent, and they no longer need to be subject to that church discipline process because those witnesses have come in and judiciously been able to remove themselves from whatever emotions and everything else that's part of it and speak into it in a, in a godly and wise manner. And so church discipline, again, stops right then and there. Yep. Step two. Now, step two. So step three, then, if he refuses to listen to them. So this is saying they've come in as witnesses, they've already gone through stage one, they've come through stage two and he still denies it and is still living in his sin. Uh, Even in spite of more people being involved, he says if it refuses, or he refuses rather, to listen to them, tell it to the church, right? So there's a public proclamation in which you now go before the entire church and you disclose the manner of that sin. Now that necessarily involves telling some of the details, but not necessarily every single detail of it. Um, But the reality at hand is that the church now needs to be made aware of what's going on because he's still not in repentance. And here's what he's supposed to do now. He's supposed to repent, right? Every single step of the way, he is to repent. So the church is then to call him to repentance. Mm -hmm. Um, As they now know about the sin, they don't just simply go and have coffee Um, They don't pretend like nothing's transpired. Their constant goal is to bring this brother or sister back to repentance and honoring the Lord. I believe in
2: step three in particular, there is a fundamental change of relationship uh, and correspondence that takes place between the church members and the individual. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Hey, let, me, let me ask you guys a question, because this is kind of a relevant example, and I don't want to get into the specifics of what happened, because literally we know nothing, and that's okay, at least by the time we're recording this. But the the recent Matt Chandler thing, and and I'm only asking, because when I when I think about what happened with the Village Church and Matt Chandler's discipline, I hadn't really thought about it critically, admittingly, until just now, but it seems to me like they skipped the first two steps and went straight to step three because everything I've heard doesn't cause they just announced it. Like they announced right. it and then they're placing him under discipline, but it never, but it never sounded, but he, the entire time he's saying he agreed with, with
1: right. what they're saying. He was right. in the
0: wrong, like he's saying yeah. repentance. So it's like, why I guess my question, we can't answer this, but I'm just thinking yeah. out loud. Why did the church go to step three if it's at least in appearances, seems like step one, I don't two know. Yeah. I would say a couple of things. Uh, one
2: hesitant. And we even talked about this before. All three of us are hesitant to even comment on, on the whole thing, yeah. because it's like, you know, it's like, who knows, like, who knows, who knows what is going on apart from these guys in a church that we have no association with or, and I mean, you know, I mean, it's just sure. whatever I, I was, I was looking at it and I could be totally wrong. I was looking at it more as a, not the third step of discipline, but as a, this took place and we are getting ahead of it. Like, we're controlling the, the story, I guess, that, you know, this thing took place. You know, Matt, whatever, said some things he shouldn't have said. And he's, along with the process of it, uh, he's repentant. Uh, we are, you know, setting him, you know, he's being set aside for a time. I mean, if if, if the headlines can be, you know, said what they are. To me, it yeah. just seems yeah. like maybe they
1: were just running ahead of it rather than it be. I don't know, but I could be totally wrong and see the, the beef I have with it is I can't I can't look at it and identify a particular sin based on what they said. So, again, I don't want to speculate and right. you know, say anything beyond that just because, again, we don't know the details, nor should we know. It's not our church. Um, but with that, it's like, okay, you made a public statement, and you said, here's the issue, um, but there's no sin there, right? Everybody that was involved knew about it, and so... If, if that's the case and they're saying, hey, you, you can't do this because it violated church policy, by all means, tighten things down, go back to it, whatever you got to do. But to now move it in a disciplinary thing of having them step down and everything else, um, you can make that move logistically to get ahead of the game. But I just don't see how that squares with Matthew 18 yeah. here. And that's yeah. that's where I so have that, that was and that was right. my point. I'm like i like I was thinking
0: about I, I was thinking about what happened to. Right. I'm not even sure this is a Matthew 18, 18, 18 thing though. See what I'm
2: saying? No, like I that's, think that's, it, I, it might just be. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, it's a it's a weird situation. Yeah, you know, it's the part of the problem. I think is so much of everything is online nowadays yeah. that it puts in for one it could put an inadvertent pressure on things because he's a bigger name. Um, for two, there's always, you know, potential power plays and stuff like that that are happening as well. Right, right. Bottom line, who knows? And and that's why we're all s- extremely reluctant to just speak any yeah. kind of authoritatively on it. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, may- maybe instead
0: of a uh, an example which we know nothing about, <laughs> maybe we can look at 1 <laughs> Corinthians <laughs> Five, well, or we have an example before,
1: <laughs> before we move there. Let me just wrap up real quickly with Matthew 18. So, um, I thought you were going to say wrap the up whole with church. Matthew Chandler. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. That was Forty-five <laughs> no, minutes. I want to camp on this. I want to camp on this. <laughs> I, I really don't want to speak to it, but I'm, I'm now I'm an ally r- r- conversation. <laughs> <laughs> with hesitancy. <All> right, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, So with Matthew 18, though, Blake, I mean, you you hit it right on the head where the reality is, at that point, there's a fundamental change in relationship. If he refuses to repent still, he's to be treated as a Gentile or a tax collector. And what that means is he's to be treated like an unbeliever, right? Um, At that point, that's fourth and final stage. He gets excommunicated from the Church, and the constant call is still for repentance, but he's no longer welcome to participate in Sunday gatherings or to participate in the Lord's Supper or any of the rites of the church, he is officially barred from communion with God's people. And this is where then, obviously, he gets back into the point you brought up earlier, Jack, where he says, Anything you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or more are gathered, or where two or three are gathered in my name, rather, there I am among them. Yeah. Right? There's that, yeah. that classic butchered text for people <laughs> that want to say that that makes a church, yeah. but the reality is, um, I think it was a guy named Nathaniel Jolly, He very clever line, he's like, where two or three are gathered, someone's getting disciplined. Yeah. Um, but the point of it is literally that in that disciplinary process, Christ is present in the midst of that, and that's what that is entailing is that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is in some way shape or form present in the midst of that disciplinary process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And It goes back to the keys, right? That's that's a unique a unique thing that the church has that is not replicated anywhere else in the world. Yep. So we
2: yeah, we yeah, let's say we got a great example here in 1 Corinthians 5. Imagine you show up to church Sunday morning
1: <laughs> no, I mean the now narrative no yeah, style. this is
2: one of those things this is one of those things where um I think just as a sidelight, um God is so merciful and gracious to us in our stupidity um which I am very thankful for we get hung up on these like you know. Match Handler things and, you know, your favorite celebrity preachers and, and things like that. But when you look at like the functioning of the local body and you have Paul addressing the church in Corinth, there are so many things wrong in Corinth. And yet he refers to them as the church of God that is in Corinth. And so they've mm. got all these issues, but yet also he's recognizing that okay we he's addressing a body of you know people that have been, you know, bought by the Lord Jesus and who really need some guidance and some direction and some discipline and enter First Corinthians chapter five. Uh so should I just read it? It's kind yeah, of Yeah go for it. Okay. Um it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated, even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. as you really are unleavened for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all, meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. I, I love that that verse by the way but now i'm writing Mm -hmm. to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater reviler drunkard or swindler not even to eat with such a one verse 12 for what have i to do with judging outsiders is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. Uh, so there's a lot, I mean, there's, there is there is so much going on there as it pertains to church function in the local body, uh, but also in this issue of discipline. Um, and you just have this crazy example that the Church of Corinth is actually boasting in their acceptance and i fear that this is the danger for a lot of evangeli churches that would say look how tolerant we are like we are being like we're being tolerant we're showing the love of god by being tolerant um tolerance does not equal love if you think that it does go home Take your wife by the hand, stare in her beautiful eyes, and say, I tolerate you. And see what happens. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Okay, it's... N- she's gonna go to your gravel, <laughs> church gravel parking lot. Gonna- <laughs> we need a new parking lot. <laughs> we were- <laughs> no, uh, so you have, uh, you know, this, the, this issue where Paul's saying, okay, there's this graphic, disgusting sin, so much that in one of the most sexually perverse areas in the world at the time, that this sin is not even tolerated among them, which is really saying something for Corinth. Yeah. Uh, and he says, you know, you are, you are arrogant. Uh, your boasting in verse 6 is not good. Uh, so he uses some really interesting terminology, uh, I think, here in, in addressing this issue that is pertinent for our conversation. First off, in verse 2, he says that they are arrogant, and their toleration of this sin is not even acceptable among heathens, to begin with. Uh, also in verse 2, there is the straight command, this man is to be removed from among you. Verse 12, because you might be saying, well, that that just this sounds so fast-moving and so judgmental and so all those things. Um. We, as
0: Christians, are supposed to judge, right? If I had a record scratch sound effect, if I knew how to do that, <laughs> right? yeah. We're supposed to
2: judge, um, and everyone judges anyway right so people say like i'm not judgmental they they are judgmental and they're also liars because that's everyone <laughs> judges we are to judge those in the church verse 12 tells us now again, this isn't the hammer just looking around to, you know, crack people. What did you call it earlier, uh, Grayson? Sin sniffing or something, or like
1: yeah, sin sniffing. Yeah,
2: right. Like some bloodhound, you know, trying to search out like who's got some. You've got something in your heart, brother. I can tell. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, there. You know, uh, you know, who are you? I never talked to you. Uh, We—that's <laughs> a great <greener laughs> right, right. visitor. Right. <laughs> I could tell by the way you shook my hand.
1: You've got shifty eyes. (laughs) that cold, clammy, feminine handshake
0: of yours. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's real quick. It's funny you say that. I I have a friend and his, not his current pastor, but his previous pastor. This is a long time ago. About, and and maybe people do this. I don't know. So if someone's listening to this and this is like common practice, this is news (laughs) to me. Um, So maybe they're going to shut off the podcast out of anger after this. But their pastor would go to their house and go through their cabinets to see what they were, like, eating to
1: determine if they were
0: being gluttonous.
1: Yeah, that's an overstep of authority. <laughs> it's like you just, I would think so. You just don't yeah. have that right. I can't even wrap
2: my
0: mind. Like, I can't even wrap my mind around I know. That. Like, And I I know, and, I, and he was telling me this. I'm like, and you were like, okay, this yeah, it was normal at the time. And now he's like, that was kind of crazy. But yeah. at the time, it was just like, this is what's supposed right. to happen. Pastor's coming
2: over, kids. Time yeah. to hide the, the Twinkies. <laughs> Pull, Pull up the floorboards. The Eat them all. I'll Quit. distract him. Hide them. <laughs> you practice gluttony to hide it. <laughs> wow, isn't that you know? Isn't that an example of sin right there? <laughs> committing, yeah. committing sin, committing yes, sin to hide sin. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, Blake, what, one other thing, and, and to go back to to. To chapter five yeah. here, e- even in all this, and I just want to make this yeah. point, and because we're we're near the, we're near out of time, and I want to get through this, and I want to quickly cover the purpose of discipline, and we'll have to get to the oh man, second yeah, half time is time is stuff flying, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we've we're, we've we just got okay. a few minutes left. So, but even in all of this, what's incredible to me, as grotesque as the sin of sin is, as blunt and harsh as Paul is being rightly. So notice what he says in verse five, uh, you are to deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Like there's even in all of this, there's our holiness again as grotesque. Yeah. yeah, Even in all this ugliness, there's, there's this pursuit of repentance and hope for, uh, for salvation. Mm -hmm. Like we're doing this to this Mm -hmm. end. Like, deliver the body to Satan so that his spirit can be saved. I, I To me, that that's what an incredible right, right. text. Yeah. Because, it, it, in contrast to the offensiveness of the sin and even how Paul's yeah, responding, right, it's incredible. Right.
1: Well, even think of it like this. I mean, how many times have you heard that God just wants you to be happy? And the reality is, God will hand you over to Satan so that your flesh may be destroyed simply for the fact that he desires your soul.
2: The big issue is not
1: your happiness, it's your holiness. Yep. Amen. Break and scratch. Well, Blake, you also had uh, Third John nine through eleven. Yeah, I was
2: wondering Um, actually, though, uh, because I think we plan on splitting this into two, if you guys don't mind. Why don't we just lightly touch on the purpose of discipline to end it, and then on our next episode, I do want us to hit that Third John nine through eleven and as well as Titus three nine, because I think those
1: are I think those are important parts they are they really are yeah so
0: okay so let's yeah let's talk about like why don't you do that because you you've got it sounds like you got it queued up why don't you talk about the purpose of discipline yeah so
2: i I mean purpose discipline again we've we've talked about it we've reiterated it it's for the the repentance of the person it's to show love for the individual love for the church love for the watching world love for christ these things um are exemplified uh the purpose of church discipline in First Corinthians chapter 5. So in verse 2, you have this issue of that the sin needs to be exposed, like it's taking place and it needs to be exposed. It doesn't do you any good if you have cancer just to ignore the cancer. Um, I have a, a dear uncle that just passed away a few months ago. Uh, when he was originally diagnosed with cancer several years ago, uh, his initial strategy was just to ignore it. And it did exactly what cancer does, and it ran wild and got worse, and eventually uh, took his life. Uh, treatment was too late, uh, and it ended up being greater destruction than initially would have started. So the, again, the loving thing is for the sin to be exposed, brought out, so that it can actually be dealt with and dealt with quickly. Okay, uh, So we have the, the purpose of exposing sin, but then we also have in verse 5 uh, what what Jack just mentioned, uh One of the things in there is the the, the warning to the the sinner um that you you're being handed over if you're a believer and you're unrepentant you're being handed over uh for destruction and it's a warning not only to the individual but it's a warning to the rest of the church as well, which I think we mentioned earlier. The purpose of it is again that this man would come to repentance. Uh, I think there's a beautiful picture here in that even a grotesque sin like this, there's forgiveness available. Isn't that amazing? Yep. Something like this. uh, In verse 13, uh, again, one of the reasons that we practice church discipline is we are seeking to protect the church, uh, the purity of the church. Uh, Again, we have this important role of giving the gospel. We are the stewards of the gospel. We are the body of Christ. Uh, and along with that comes great you know, responsibility. Uh, enter uh, Uncle Ben quote there. Whatever it is, exactly. My mind literally went. Through. You're right. I know. My mind did it as yeah, I was talking. It's like how do you how do yeah, you yeah. not? Yeah. Thanks a lot, Uncle Ben. Um, Talk about the rice. Yeah, yeah Jack. The yes. rice. Yeah, of course. What uncle? What other Uncle Ben? Right, do you know? right. As Uncle Ben said, you can have your rice and eat it too. Um, it's a San Francisco <laughs> tree. Uh, and then, uh, lastly, in verse one. Uh, one of the purposes that we see shown in 1st Corinthians 5 is to present a good testimony for Christ to the world because again this is this is going around like this sin and this sinner and the thing that's taking place uh this is a this is a point of conversation not only in the church uh but it appears that it is a point of conversation outside the church as well yeah okay yeah uh, and yep. so it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. Um,
1: well, and that's a pretty darn serious statement, considering what Corinth was known right. for was their temple prostitution. Right. Exactly. And it's like these are sexually immoral people, right, through and through. And for even them, it was shocking.
2: Yeah, where the where the world when the world looks at you and says that's gross, dude. I mean, there's there's something there's something going on there. Uh, so. Part of, again, the the reason for discipline is to preserve the church's distinctiveness from the world. Hmm. Uh, brothers and sisters, we are to be distinct. Um, discipline is, church discipline is a part of that. Uh, I think next time yeah. uh, we'll uh, look at a few more examples. Uh, um not only 1 Corinthians 5, but a couple of other examples of, of church discipline taking place. We'll talk about the actual practice of it. Uh, what does that look like? When are we supposed to practice church discipline? I, I think uh, Grayson kind of touched on that with a couple of points already, uh, but we'll just
1: hit upon those things. Uh, and um, I think that's... Yeah. The, right? Next Well, one. the neat thing, <laughs> too, um, you get to see what it looks like in Scripture yeah. when it actually works like it's intended to. Right. Right, so think of, uh, you, I think you have it written down in Second Corinthians later where uh, this man repents, right? There's a point where he actually repents, and that's literally the entire goal behind church discipline, right. is that you can see a man who's on his way towards hell, and God in his sovereign grace plucks him out from that path and reestablishes him in Christ and roots him back in the faith to where... He can now walk with his brethren once more, and when it's done rightly, it's a really, really beautiful thing. I mean, it's an incredibly beautiful thing. Um, unfortunately, it often just doesn't work that way. But those moments where you can see a sinner restored to grace, mm-hmm. um, I, Blake, I don't know if you've ever witnessed that. But yeah, it, it's heart wrenching yeah. in in all the right ways. Yeah, right. It's it, again, it's it's un, it's unfathomable joy
2: or unfathomable sorrow. Yes. One yep. Too. So, anyway, close us out. Close us out, Mister Lee. We're two minutes. That concludes the <laughs> podcast. I don't know what to hit want. those <laughs> sweet beats. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? <laughs> Insert sound effect. You said that like I had something here. prepared. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I th- I think that's a great place to end it. It's it is uh, you know, kind of the theme I guess of this first part is that um. Church discipline is, can be messy, uh, clearly as Paul, Paul lines out like the, the whole process. But at the end of the day, the goal is to bring people to repentance. And if, if anyone out there is, you know, listen to this, if, um, if you are caught in some, some grotesque sin, I'd encourage you to go talk to your elders, like confess, repent, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we are, we are a, um, continuous, repentant people in the church. And that's to, to maintain our purity and our distinctiveness from the world. That's who we need to be. And church discipline is meant to drive that behavior. Amen. So, um,
1: Grayson, do you have anything? Not at all. Um, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. We've appreciated the fact that you guys have actually tuned into the three of us because half the time we're either bumbling idiots or cracking jokes but we appreciate it nonetheless but
0: where two or three so, are gathered yeah hey i do have one last question okay have you guys read tim tim keller's book on church discipline <laughs> wow i forgot
1: that was a that was a rather forced one for the keller joke you know, oh, hold on hold on I, hold, wait, wait 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 pass it back to tim me to pass it back to me <laughs>